Hey everybody, this is Matt with the second part of dealing with toxic religion or toxic faith. And in the last pod, we saw that Jesus had to deal with two toxic groups of people, the Sadducees and the Pharisees. We looked at 10 features of toxic religion. So if you missed that, go check those 10 features out and come back. So what turns a person toxic? How does a healthy person become an unhealthy person? How do they become damaging to those around them? How do they become basically a Pharisee, a toxic person? Well, here's, I'm going to give you a bunch of reasons for that. Number one cause of toxicity is envy. Envy and jealousy will rob your soul of joy. It's like taking cancer into your heart. And when you see somebody, a friend, a family member, a relative, or somebody at work, and all of a sudden they're succeeding and you're not, you get envious and you're being set up to become toxic. And you need to be aware of it. The moment you allow envy into your heart, toxicity has been planted. And when somebody all of a sudden makes a whole lot of money and you didn't, you're going to be envious. You're going to get toxic. When somebody gets promoted at work, when someone gets married, and you want to be married, but you're not. When someone has a baby and you've been longing for a baby, you start getting jealous. When someone is honored and all of a sudden they have privilege and have connections, you get envious and you get jealous. You can't do that because what you're going to do is you're allowing the seeds of a Pharisee into your heart. Do you know what put Jesus on the cross? You know what really killed him? He didn't do anything wrong. He was perfect. He never hurt anyone. So why did they kill the only perfect person who ever lived? Envy. The Bible says it was out of envy that they handed Jesus over to Pilate. The Pharisees, the toxic religious people, could not stand the popularity of Jesus. They resented it. They got fearful of it. And John 4 says when the Pharisees heard that Jesus was gathering more converts than John the Baptist and that he was baptizing more converts than John the Baptist, they got irritated. Jesus never baptized anybody, but that's the word that they heard. The Bible tells us when the Pharisees saw the wonderful things that Jesus did, and they heard the children sh shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. They were envious. They got mad. They couldn't handle his success. So can you handle the success of other people? Can you rejoice with those who rejoice, or does it make you envious? If you get envious, you're going to get toxic. Envy creeps in when you least expect it. When someone succeeds, how do you feel? When someone gets that promotion over you, how do you view them? Can you handle other people's success? Do you rejoice when they rejoice? Or do you secretly delight in their misfortune? See, envy can do terrible things like this. Matthew 27, 17 to 18. So when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked them, which one do you want me to release to you? Jesus or Barabbas? For he knew it was out of self-interest that they handed Jesus over to him. Barabbas was a murderer. They would rather let a murderer go free, a criminal, than Jesus. The second way to become toxic, believe it or not, is money. Money has made more people toxic than anything. It can destroy relationships, marriages, families. People work so much that money becomes an idol. Somebody's got money and boom, it creates toxicity. Children argue over the will. They argue how much to get from mom and dad. Well, you gave her this much. Well, you gave me this much. 
Money creates toxicity. Jesus was a very generous person. We know from John 3, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus. Jesus' whole life was about giving. He gave his life for us so that we could be forgiven of our sins by dying for us on a cross. He gave up his life to give us the hope of eternal life if we turn to him and trust him in faith for what he did for us. His whole life was about giving everything he had for the people around him. And the Pharisees couldn't stand the fact that Jesus had no interest in money. Jesus would say, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things he possesses. And when the Pharisees, what do they do with that? Luke 16, 14, when the Pharisees heard this, they made fun of Jesus because they loved money. However, you're to love people and use money. Money is a tool. Never love money. You love people, you use money. If you start loving money, that's when it becomes toxic. See, your value as a person has nothing to do with your valuables. Your net worth has nothing to do with your self-worth. The greatest things in life aren't things. Yes, you make a living by what you get, but you make a life by what you give. It's only in giving your life away that you learn to truly live. If you don't watch out, you're going to get envious of other people and that makes you toxic. Or you can allow money to come between you and somebody else and that split all kinds of partnerships and friendships. Jesus said that the Pharisees were full of greed on the inside. Ecclesiastes 7, 7, even wise people are fools if they let money change their thinking. So in addition to, to money, the third way to become toxic is to let bitterness take hold. So you have envy, you have money, and now bitterness. Bitterness at being hurt, and specifically, bitterness from rejecting God's grace. What makes people toxic is rejecting God's grace. In your life, you're going to go through problems, right? You're going to get hurt. I'm sorry, we live in a broken planet. You're going to be hurt intentionally and unintentionally. You're going to have accidents and you're going to be set up. It really doesn't matter how much you're hurt because you're going to hurt. It's how we respond to it, how you respond to the hurts in this life. God says, I'll give you the grace to handle all the hurts in your life. What is grace? Grace is when God gives you what you need, not what you deserve. He says, you go through a bankruptcy or credit problem. I'll give you the grace to handle it. You go through a marriage difficulty. I'll give you the grace to handle it. You're being turned down for a promotion. I'll give you the grace to handle it. You had a tough time in school. Somebody breaks your heart, whatever it is, a health issue. You deal with whatever that is. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. God says, I'm not just going to give you strength. He says, I am your strength. But when you reject the grace of God and you don't let God help you in the hurts, what happens? You get bitter. So when you say, instead of turning to God, I can handle this on my own, you're going to get bitter. Anytime you handle a hurt on your own, you're going to be bitter. Anytime you try to solve a problem without God, bitterness creeps in and you're going to carry it. And some of us carry bitterness for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. And when you get bitter and you don't let the grace of God in your life and you try to handle the problems by yourself, that makes you toxic. Hebrews 12, 15 says, be careful that no one misses the grace of God so that no root of bitterness grows up among you. See, bitterness gets rooted in your heart. It becomes trouble. 
and then it poisons everybody. Have you ever seen a bitter person poison a ton of other people? You know, have you ever, it's, it's like the most contagious, contagious attitude that you can have. You've all seen, like, you go to a family reunion, you have some aunt or some uncle or some distant cousin who 30 years ago got hurt by somebody and they never got over it and they're bitter about it. And every time they come to these gatherings, they let you know about the pain. Here's the problem with bitter people. They want everybody else to feel it too. Because misery loves company. It's true, right? We know that saying. It's, it's not just enough for them to be bitter. They say, I want you to be bitter too. So I'm going to spend all my time making other people feel miserable. So what they say is, I feel bad about myself, so I certainly don't want you feeling good about yourself. That's, I'm going to make you feel bad about yourself. I'm going to start saying little cuts and little comments, and it's going to let out all the bitterness that I'm feeling, and it's going to attack you. Maybe it wasn't even your fault, but I'm going to take it out on you because I didn't take it up to God in the first place. See, when you don't take your hurt to God, you take it out on other people. Here's an important life principle everyone must know. Hurt people hurt people. You get that simple statement? Hurt people hurt people. When people are hurting you, you can bank on the fact that they've been hurt. And they, not dealing with it properly, is taking it out on you and transferring it to you, hoping that they can relieve some of the pain that they're feeling by taking it out on you. I've had people get mad at me before, and simply because I'm an authority figure, they've had trouble with authority figures in their life, and they take it out on me. Happens a lot. But the source is rejecting the grace of God, and it's contagious. The Bible says this in the International Children's Bible. Be careful that no one becomes like a bitter weed growing up among you. A person like that can ruin all of you. You may have already had somebody in your life who's really hurt you, right? could be a spouse, could be something that they hurt you bad or someone really close. And they came to you and asked you for forgiveness and you forgave them, but you really didn't. You said you forgave them, but you held on to that. And in our mind, we have this scale that we that we have between guilt and blame. And we can't handle a whole lot of guilt. So we ease our guilt by blaming other people. You did this, but you did that. What they did may not be nearly as bad as what I did, but I at least have someone to blame, so I got to keep the scales. Someone comes to you and says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Boom! All of a sudden, there's nothing to blame anymore. Now I have all this guilt and no blame to place. Nobody likes that. So we have to create something back and forth. And when that happens, here's what happens. If somebody hurt you really bad, and they came to you and asked for forgiveness, and you said, yeah, but you still hold on to it, that every time that spouse comes to you or that close person and they try to do something nice for you, you go, yeah, but you still owe me for the pain that you caused. I'm not just going to forgive you, even though I said I did. But after a while, that person is going to stop doing those nice things for you because you're unpleasable and it gets to them after a while. And if that's happening to your life, I, I want to be as honest as I can. You're killing your marriage. You're killing that relationship. It's not dying from that really big hurt that you experienced. No, it's dying from the fact that you won't let them off the hook. You're unpleasable and you're killing the relationship. Yeah, they damaged the relationship. 
they might have shot you through the heart, but you lived. But that bullet hasn't been removed. And it's traveled around and it's got you full of envy and greed and bitterness. And you got to let that go. Or else you're going to just be toxic your whole life and you're going to be in pain. Why do we hold on to the pain that hurts us? Let it go. How do you deal with the toxic people in your life? If those are the things that make you toxic, how do you deal with them? Because they're all around you, right? How do you deal with them every time they see you? They bring pain into your life. And no matter what you say, they misunderstand it and they use it against you. We all have them. No matter how much you try to give in or yield or be kind or nice to them, they, they keep attacking you. Now, what does Jesus do? You do what he did with the Pharisees, the toxic people of the day. So here's some keys to dealing with toxic people. Now that we know what makes us toxic, how do we deal with those toxic people? First key, in dealing with toxic people, realize it is not about you. They are simply transferring their pain onto you. Romans 12, 13. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now, all we focus on is to live at peace with everyone. However, there's two important things that have to happen for you to be able to live at peace with everyone. Two things. You ready? These are two amazing qualifiers that hopefully will give some of you relief that maybe you can't fix this relationship. It says, if it is possible. Number The first qualification, the first qualifier is if it is impossible. And then second, as far as it depends on you. But as we all know in life, it takes two to tango, right? It takes two to dance. So if it's possible and if it depends on you, then live at peace with everyone. You know what I love about the Bible? It always tells the truth. It never glosses things over. It never provides just an easy out. When it tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. Oh, by the way, he stole someone's wife and killed the husband. Yeah. And Abraham, he let his wife pretend to be his sister so they won't kill him. Yeah, that was a lot of faith. I love the Bible because it never lies. It always tells the truth about God, about life, and about human behavior. And there are some people you just can't get along with. There are some people that you're never, no matter how nice you are, they're still going to be mean to you. But you got to realize, it's not about you. And if you struggle with this, you may want to write these down. Why isn't it about you? Number one, you didn't start it. In other words, I didn't create their toxic behavior. They're super fearful. They're super bitter. They're super envious. They're super greedy. They're belittling or nagging or nitpicking. You didn't create that behavior. Something in their past caused them to go that way. So you don't need to feel guilty about it. You didn't create it. They might want to blame you, but you're not responsible. It's their choice. You didn't create it. Second, you can't control it. You can't control someone else's behavior, whether it's good or bad, negative or toxic or whatever. So you don't need to worry about it. Most people, when they get a toxic person in their life, they feel guilty. Well, maybe it's my fault. And they feel worried, like, I've got to control it. No, God does not expect you to control it. This is the myth of parenting. The parenting myth is, if I am the perfect parent, my kids will turn out perfectly. <clears throat> Wrong answer. There's only been one perfect parent in life, and that's God, right? God created Adam and Eve. How do they turn out? A perfect father. 
He put them in a perfect environment. And guess what? They still messed up. Are you going to do better than God as a parent? If God can have kids go bad, guess what? So can you. Some of you are carrying around a lot of false guilt. If I had just done something differently, you know what? Every kid makes his choice or her choice. You're as close to God as you want to be. I'm as close to God as I want to be. If I'm not close to God, it's my fault. If you're not close to God, guess who moved? God did. You did. You didn't create their behavior and you can't control their behavior. So don't feel guilty and don't worry about it. Third, I can't change them. You don't have the ability. Sorry. Don't even try to attempt it. When you got a crazy maker, when you got a toxic person in your life, and it's a waste of time to try to change them. Why? Because nobody changes until they decide to change. You can't change anybody. You can barely change yourself. How hard is it for you to change yourself? I'm doing this 100-day challenge where I'm trying to change some behaviors. It's really hard. People only change when the fear of change is exceeded by the pain. When the pain gets greater than the fear of change, that's when you change. But until that happens, nothing's going to change. The amazing thing is a lot of toxic people have had, they have an amazing high pain tolerance. They're more afraid of changing than they are of handling the pain that they create for themselves and everybody else. And they live in misery. You didn't create it. You didn't control it. And you're not going to change it. It's not about you. Don't live in misery. Here comes the second key with dealing with toxic people. If it's possible, let them go. Disconnect from them. I'm not talking about marriage in this podcast, okay? When you get married, you made a promise to God till death do you part. You made a vow. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about the people in your life who are causing you pain, that you don't have to be around. You have no commitment to them. You can withdraw. It's a simple solution. I'm going to give you a solution from the only perfect person who ever leave, Jesus. How did he handle the Pharisees? The Pharisees went out. They plotted to kill Jesus. What's he going to do? Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. They're out to get me. I'm going to leave. Hello. You just don't have to show up where the toxic people are. If you got someone in your life that keeps calling you, change your number. If you got someone that keeps emailing you, get a spam blocker. If you got someone that shows up at the Starbucks every time you're there, choose a new Starbucks. It's real simple. These are toxic people. They mean to do you wrong. Withdraw from there. Let me ask you, who is in your life? And I'm not talking about marriage. Who is it in your life you need to stop trying to get back? Somebody walked out of your life and you're wasting an enormous amount of energy and effort trying to get them back in your life. Or you're trying to get their approval. You need to let them walk. You need to let them go. You may still be trying to get the approval of your parents. And they could even be dead. <laughs> but we're still trying. You're always trying to prove yourself to some brother or sister or someone else. Let me tell you something. If you haven't gotten their approval by now and it's been decades, I hate to tell you, it ain't going to happen. Here's the better news. You don't need it. You don't need anyone's approval to be happy. You don't need anybody's approval to live your life. You just need to be hooked into God. If you need someone else's approval to be happy, they're running your life. And the Bible calls that an idol. God says, have no idols before me. I'm the only one who should run your life because I made you. 
So stop trying to live your life for the approval of other people. Pull back, disconnect, let them go. Toxic people, they try to control you by playing the martyr role. They'll sometimes say, oh, you offended me. They expect that because they have been offended that you're supposed to roll over and do whatever they tell you to do. No, not at all. Because as soon as that's over, there'll be another offense. They love to hook you into an argument because in an argument, they at least have your attention. Are you supposed to go around and do what everybody else wants you to do so nobody gets offended? No. You do that and you're never going to get anything done in life. In fact, this is what Jesus said about the people who got offended unnecessarily in a toxic way. Jesus in speaking to a crowd and he had said some very tough things to the crowd, just like I've said to you. And maybe some of you are offended. But Jesus said this, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, do you realize that you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Jesus said, ignore them. They're blind guides leading the blind. But Jesus said, some people are just unpleasable. Some people, you got to just ignore them. It seems like, oh, that's not Christian. No, it is Christian. Get on with your life. They're toxic. You can't do anything about them. You can pray for them. That's what you could do. You got to stop dealing with them on a daily basis. They're going to have another thing that's next after whatever it is that's bothering them. Third key to dealing with toxic people. Refuse to play their game. One of the Pharisees' favorite game is to trick Jesus with tricky questions. They used accusatory questions. They don't really care about the answer. They're just kind of trying to get Jesus riled up. But you need to understand, Jesus never let people manipulate him with questions. He wouldn't play their game. Here's an example. The Bible says, And the Pharisees met together to think of a way to trap Jesus into saying something for which they could accuse him. But Jesus knew their evil motives. You hypocrites, he said. Who are you trying to fool with your trick questions? You think I just woke up this morning? I just got out of bed? Don't you understand? I understand the games you're playing. I'm not going to fall for the trap. Whenever they tried to get Jesus into a corner, he refused to debate them. He never would answer their questions sometimes because he'd just ask them a question right back and keep on walking because he didn't want to engage in a toxic, with a toxic person to get into a toxic argument. And you don't have to either. The Pharisees came to Jesus and Lord, why do your disciples break the traditions of their elders? And Jesus said, why do you break the commands of God in order to fulfill your traditions? Next question. He didn't go to any defense. He attacked their question. He attacked them. They came to Jesus another time. Lord, the law says that anybody who's caught in adultery should be stoned to death. Well, what do you say? He could have gotten into a real debate on that one. He goes, fine. Whoever's without sin cast the first stone. Next question. He just wasn't going to let him hook him. They came to him another time. Lord, why don't you prove who you, who you are, who you say you are? Prove that you're telling the truth. And Jesus said, I don't have to do that. I know who I am. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I'm not playing your game. The Bible says these kind of toxic people, they love to argue. The Bible says such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, fighting, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. We all have them in our lives, right? The argumentative person, the person who picks on things. 
It's toxic. Fourth key to dealing with toxic people, set boundaries. You see, nobody can pressure you without your permission. You can listen to their expectations or you can't listen to it. The Bible says you need to learn to set boundaries. Don't let anybody enslave you to their expectations. How many times in life have you done something you didn't want to do when you didn't have time to do it? There wasn't a really good reason to do it. And it wasn't really what you're able to do, but you did it because somebody had an expectation for you to do it. Well, you just wasted a part of your life. You need to learn to say no to unrealistic expectations. You need to set boundaries in your life and don't let people enslave you to their expectations. Galatians 5.1 says, Freedom is what we have. Christ has set us free. Stand then as free people and do not allow yourselves to be slaves again. Don't let anyone put peer pressure to put you back under bondage. Christ set you free. You don't have to listen to other people. You don't need their approval. You live under God. To deal with toxic people, we need to learn to be meek. Now, don't confuse meekness with weakness. A lot of times we have to clear up the de definition of what does it mean to be meek? Because being meek in our society doesn't really, we don't really understand its usage. The word meek literally means strength under control. And in the Bible and in Old Greek, they would talk about horses being meek. See, what happened was a wild stallion that had been tamed, they called it meek. What does it mean? It still has the same energy it had before it was tamed. It's just now under control of the rider. It has enormous muscles. It has everything it had before, but now the strength is under control. It's bottled up for the master's use. And God doesn't want you to be aggressive or passive or passive aggressive. God doesn't want you running around, I have my rights. That's where you're aggressive, you're demanding. God doesn't want you running around saying, you know, I deserve this. He doesn't want you to be aggressive. He doesn't want you to be passive either. Poor me. Keep poking my eye. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for hurting me. No, between passive and aggressive is meekness. Meekness is strength under control. What we need today are Christians who are meek. They're not aggressive. They're not passive. They're not bullies. And they're not wimps. They speak the truth in love. And in the Bible, there's only two people who are called meek. Did you know that? Just two. Jesus and Moses. Neither of them ever backed down in the face of a toxic bully. Moses went toe-to-toe -to -toe with Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and said, let my people go. He had the courage of his convictions. He was loving. He was not aggressive. He wasn't passive. He was meek. Fifth way to deal with toxic people. Decide to live for Jesus, not people. You see, if you live for an audience of one and say, I'm not going to worry about what, what, I'm only going to worry about what God wants me to do then it's always going to be the right thing. Instead of having to please 15 or 20 people, 1 Thessalonians 2 says, we're not trying to please men, but God who tests our hearts. When you do that, you will find great relief from trying to please everybody else. So you have two choices in life. Toxic religion or a healthy relationship with God. So you can either suffer under toxic features or thrive under Jesus. 
So instead of offering you legalism, Jesus says you're free from the law. That's what the book of Galatians says. Instead of offering you hypocrisy and saying you got to wear your mask as a Christian, he says, I am the truth. Instead of offering you guilt trips, he says, there's no condemnation in Jesus Christ. Instead of nitpicking, he says, you're now complete in Jesus. Instead of maligning your motives, he says, I know your heart and I still love you unconditionally. Instead of guilt by association, he says, come in and join my family, the eternal family of God. Instead of belittling and ridiculing you, Jesus doesn't do that. He says, you're worthy of me dying for you on the cross. I love you so much that my arms open wide as I nail to that cross just for you. You are infinitely worth it. You have infinite value. Instead of flattery, he says, I know everything about you. All the good, the bad, the ugly, the warts, the failures, the ugliness. But guess what? I still love you. Instead of pressure, he says, come to me if you're burdened and pressured, and I will give you rest. Instead of gossip, he says, the truth will set you free. So here's your choice. Do you want to live your life with toxic religion? Or do you want to live your life with a healthy relationship with God? Do you want to deal with toxic people your whole life? Or do you want to say, you know what? I'm going to live for an audience of one. It's your choice. Well, I hope that encouraged you to be able to deal with the toxic religion all around you. And next pod, we're going to look at, oh boy, here's a biggie, dealing with toxic family members. We all have them. So how do we deal with them? It's going to be a fun one. So God bless and I hope to see you in the next pod.